Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company's podcast. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Greenbook. Through their blog, leading market research directory, and other publications, Greenbook connects marketers and insights professionals with people, information, and ideas that generate better business results. So whether you're looking for a focus group facility or just want to stay up to date with the ever-evolving insights industry, Greenbook is the resource for you. Check out all they have to offer at greenbook.org. We love it. We know you'll love it. Today is going to be so great. I'm going to get to talk to Pam Didner, who has been on my show before. And I know for those of you who have been listening to me for a very, very long time, this is an old guest and a great guest, and she knows her stuff. You're going to have a great time. Welcome to the show, Pam Didner. Thank you so much, Priscilla. It's nice to be back. Yeah, we'll be back, but we're going to talk a little bit about how you and I are are crisscrossing each other on the globe a little bit. But first, let me tell some of my audience who does not know about you what I know about you and what I think would be totally pertinent. And then I'm just going to dive in and we're going to chit chat about all kinds of stuff, sales, marketing, and, and, and let other people hear all of your genius. How does that sound? That sounds great. But, you know, my genius is really overrated. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry. Okay. Let's just have, that just have fun. No, Pam. She is uh, very humble, as you can hear, <laughs> but she is an amazing marketing consultant. And she's actually a writer, which is one of the things that we keep getting requested um, here on our show from Ponderings of the Purge. Can you pull the curtain back a little bit and tell us about writers and how they get things done? So we're going to ask Pam some great questions. But it's really sure. exciting because Pam just finished her second book. So we're going to talk about that really specifically. But she's a writer and a speaker. And she has given so many presentations and workshops all over the world. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, of course, here in the U.S. and Europe and South America, Asia, but her four is really creating successful global marketing plans, really understanding, you know, how to meet local marketing and sales teams needs in different uh, countries and, and really cross the brand to the whole brand footprint. So she is absolutely strategic in nature. You're going to hear that genius tactical mindset that she has, but she specializes in sales marketing and internal and external communication consulting. So I have gotten the chance to hear some of her keynote presentations, which rock, um, but she also is available for corporate trainings and workshops. But this is where she gets super impressive is that she contributes to The Guardian, to Huffington Post, to Content Marketing Institute. And that's um, really a lot of mutual friends that we have that we got in touch. But she shares her thoughts at pamdidner.com. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but p-a-m-d-i-d-n-e-r.com. Go check it out. So Pam, let's talk. What have you been doing? Well, uh, not so much. Well, I spent pretty much like the last six months writing my book. So right. um, you've been in got your the second book done and effective <laughs> sales enablement is really a book um, written by a marketer, which is me and mm-hmm. uh, for a marketer. And it's really talking about in a very broad sense, what marketers can do to better support their sales teams, in addition, you know, to generate leads. Right. And uh, so I'm looking at uh, the, the existing marketing elements or the marketing channel in a very holistic view and uh, share my thoughts in terms of what are some of the marketing channels that can be leveraged and to actually assist uh, the sales negotiation and also facilitate um, the sales engagement. Well, sales you know, engagement and uh, if, if what you would say effective sales enablement 
yeah. really harkens back to the thing that you and I first talked about, which is this whole conundrum about how sales and marketing sometimes don't work together. And why is that? And they seem like they should go hand in hand so effortlessly. But let's back up for a little bit from even the idea of your second book here. But what's the bigger picture? Why do you think some people are struggling so hard with getting sales and marketing into alignment? What What's behind that? You know, you, you brought a very good question, and um, the sales and marketing in theory should uh, work together. Unfortunately, um, I think the conflict or even uh, the misalignment usually happens in terms of the how, um, how they view things, uh, how they view the outreach. And uh, for example, um, sales has a monthly and a quarterly quota. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff they do is really short term. They need to meet the quota every single month and every single quarter, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, marketing, uh, when they are looking into the lead gen, and they are more focused on uh, the brand, the building the brand and the nurturing the leads to the point that the audience or the target customers are ready to buy. So if you think about it, just from the get-go, the mindset in terms of their goals are very different. And because the goals are very different and also a long-term versus a short-term, that all by itself will dictate and guide the how-to, how the execution to be done. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, in general, what I have seen, at least uh, on the B2B side and also especially enterprise, um, the short-term versus long-term goal and also top the funnel versus bottom of the funnel, mm-hmm. that priorities between the two organizations tend to have a ma- massive uh, ramification in terms of how marketing and sales conduct their activities um, on daily basis. Well, let's talk a little bit about that top of the funnel versus sure. bottom of the funnel in this. How how things are working and how things are falling apart for sales and marketing teams. And I've I've kind of heard you say it in ways kind of like one of the teams holds the other one hostage or you've used different language like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've had a lot of interesting conversations like that. But tell me a little bit about, you know, what you've seen in reality. How does that happen? Because on one hand, some salespeople only want leads from marketing You know, like, hey, give us everything that we need, you know, and on the other hand, really an effective salesperson should be able to generate their own leads, you know, so what is what is that conundrum? You know, that's actually a very good point. I guess uh, each company actually have their own process in terms of how the sales and and the marketing works together or even how uh, the leads needs to be qualified or how the leads needs to be facilitated, you know, from marketing to sale. But traditionally, if you think about it, um, that the sales and marketing tends to have very distinctive uh, roles and responsibility. That's just taking the lead gen for uh, a, a, as an example, right? Mm-hmm. And to say marketing tend to focus on the top of the funnel and to find the qualified leads and hopefully it's highly qualified. And then you pass that to a sales and sales take it and run with it right. and uh, engage with prospect, do a demo and then follow through and hopefully to the point for RFP. So the roles and responsibility tend to be very distinctive. But with the rise of digital, that boundary, if you will, um, is starting to disappear, right? And uh, if you think about it, um, the great example is email marketing, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, not just marketing people are doing a massive or integrated and targeted uh, email campaigns. A lot of CRM systems, they also have an email uh, built into it. 
And the salespeople can also run their mini campaigns specifically to their prospects. So the email in the in the past tend to be uh, exclusive uh, for the the marketers to leverage, but now sales and marketing both are using it. Right, and okay. so they're assigning those leads to somebody on the sales team, and now they're responsible for it. They are responsible for it, but mm-hmm. they also use the similar marketing communication channels. Mm-hmm. Now that's look at from the audience's perspective, right? right? They probably getting if we don't segment that specific prospect well in a marketing automation tool or even the CIM, chances are that person probably will get duplicated email from us. Mm. Sometimes <laughs> not um, focusing on the same message right. that uh, uh, they are getting from their sales team. So I think that's where the conundrum is coming from: is that rise of digital and also um, the 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 division. Mm-hmm. between the sales and marketing are getting a little bit um, more integrated and mushier than mm-hmm. ever before. Okay, that is a technical term. We're going to talk about the mushiness here. And <laughs> you know what? This is so great. I'm going to reiterate something you said, because honestly, it's never been said on this podcast before. And I don't think that I've really thought about it. This I'm going to I'm gonna start testing this idea and talking with people about it. I just had Chris Daly on the podcast this year from Disruptive Advertising, and he and I were talking about this MQL and SQL difference. And so I I hate using jargon. So I'm going to break this down. Marketing qualified lead or sales qualified Qualified lead. Okay. So what you just told me is that the MQL and the SQL, that there, the boundary between between those two is starting to disappear. And that's because of technology, the way we're using integrated systems. And I'm serious. I don't think I've ever heard that from anybody's mouth. And I don't think I'd really thought about it, but actually I have been experiencing that with clients. So that is super, you heard it here first on Ponderings from the Perch. (laughs) Um, That is really interesting. And you know that we are HubSpot certified. And so for us, you know, I think that they even probably had not anticipated how much these two are becoming, in your words, mushier, which I totally agree with. And how do departments deal with this? Like, whose responsibility is it? In some ways, for the client, it could be a better experience because they're not getting this abrupt handoff from a marketing message to a hardcore sales approach. could be better for the client. On the other hand, there could be a lack of understanding who am I supposed to be dealing with and what, you know, those are, you know, it depends upon how good they are at making those messages or maybe that handoff better. Is it becoming more seamless or is it just becoming harder to distinguish? Yeah, I would like to, I, to answer your question right away. Um, it's actually harder to distinguish, but mm-hmm. I want to address that. Uh, in um, I want to address your question in two ways. And the first one is NQL versus SQL. And uh, you are totally right in the weight that the differentiation between the MQA and SQL uh, is probably less than ever before. But that doesn't mean that you cannot differentiate. You still can. And really depending on your lead gen and also nurturing process and also your agreement with the sales team. And I'm going to use lead genius as an example. They still have MQL and they still actually have SQL. And their MQL is defined it's defined that um, um, a potential prospect requests for demo. So if that person have a specific action, such as request for demo, and that email, and also that company has also been qualified by the marketing team, then they will count that as MQL. Right. 
And uh, the SQL comes in is taking that lead and do additional valid validations by the inside sales team and uh, have an initial conversation with the prospect and also make sure that it, it matches with the sales team's uh, ideal customer profile, which is ICP, before they move forward. So there is still a way to differentiate MQL and SQL, but that definition needs to be agreed between the sales and marketing, and you need and they need to work very closely together and define it in way that in a way that it's very action driven type of definition. Does that make sense? That totally so makes sense. Yeah. Them, that's MQL. It's not very mushy. I'll say, oh yeah, I just come to the website and <laughs> view the content three times. That doesn't count. You have to be a very specific action. Right. So that's one I want to uh, share. I want to share with you and also your listeners. Right. The other one in terms of the the experience, you are totally right. I think with the rise of digital, and I said earlier that it's actually uh, much harder to provide that seamless experience because too many cooks in the kitchen, <laughs> right? I am doing email marketing. Multiple salespeople are doing the same thing, right? And uh, it comes down to a very close and a tight uh, collaboration and communication. And that communication needs to happen on a regular basis. You know, they need to talk to each other. On top of it, the back end needs to be cleaned up on a regular basis. How often do we clean our own, um, say, a subscriber list? Right. I mean, I'm myself as an example, right? I have about 5,000 names. But how often do I clean that? The data decay, like probably 50% of uh, the email probably not valid because people change jobs, whatnot, mm -hmm. right? But how often do I maintain that? Not very often. I'm the first one to admit, uh, admit it. And um, so the close collaboration needs to tie with the constant data cleaning. And that part is hard to do. Oh, I love that. You know, I have to tell you, the reason why we clean our data is because we, we you know, HubSpot charges by the contact. And so we're really good about like, cleaning it. You have to scrap it. You have to scrap it hard. I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, but mine was like, mine is not a huge number. And um, I don't have a huge, I don't have a lot of resources like you, Priscilla, which is great. <laughs> and that you are, uh, look, you are, you are looking at your data on a regular basis. That's one thing that marketers should do, including myself. It's not just build that cl close collaboration or even have a service level agreement with your sales team. Is are you taking care of your data? I think that one, that part of it is going to be a big issue in terms of who should do it and who should do it well moving forward. Oh, I'm not I love that. Like sales versus marketing. Um, and uh, it's it just a matter of a discussion of the ownership. Right. I love that. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about your book and what you learned. But before I do that, I have one other question. Um, you just mentioned that idea of there. Sometimes there's just too many cooks in the kitchen, and that's why we have some issues. But, you know, you are atypical from some of the people I know um, in that your bigger part of business is you work with larger companies. Like, you know, I think just in general, you're in like a lot of large global enterprise, really scaled, um, highly leveraged companies. And so I'd like to hear your perspective on this issue of the too many cooks in the kitchen and, and how, <laughs> you know, how on a global scale, you end up coming in either in a workshop or in training sessions um, or working on a long-term commitment with a, a larger uh, global company. So how, when, when a company like that has a lot more opportunity to be radically siloed, what are some of the first things you do to bring that, what you talked about, constant communication back into play? Great question. Um, so 
you are totally right. Um, a global enterprise tend to have a couple issues. One is silo. And that's because they want everybody to have a very specific roles and responsibility. Kind of like Priscilla, you do email marketing. Mm-hmm. All right, Pam, you are responsible for event marketing. And, um, you know, Layton, you are doing content creation, right? So in the global enterprise, in order to um, manage people effectively, they have to define uh, the roles and responsibility well. And uh, that is good in terms of performance evaluation. This is what you do and you Mm -hmm. do it well. You don't do it well. I know, right? However, that creates silos. This is what I do. I only have to focus on what I'm doing. I'm doing email marketing. As long as I get some content from Layton, I'm good. But in terms of who I'm sending this to, ah, whatever. I mean, I'm told (laughs) to send like, you know, three times a month, that's what I'm going to do. So that creates silos. And on top of it, on top of it, um, that's assumed on the global enterprise to make things even more complicated. Um, I may be at a headquarter and I'm doing email marketing, but I'm working or interact with uh, the regional. When I say regional is like, for example, you know, North America, South America mm-hmm. or EMEA and also country. They, I might have a counterparts that are doing similar jobs like mine. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And because I, I, I am only one person. I cannot cover 120 countries. I got to have somebody who's doing a similar job. Right. So with that being said, yes, you know, you create another conundrum, which is the too many cooks in the kitchen. And on top of it, everybody has a budget. When you have a budget, <laughs> you have something to say. So Priscilla, your question, how to minimize that? Yeah. I think there are multiple ways. And the first one, I have to come back again, is a communication. And the best way to do it is weekly. I hate saying this, weekly or bi-weekly calls. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a, when you have a call, when you have that scheduled call every single week or every two weeks, and uh, assume somebody is in charge and with a specific agenda that needs to be discussed, then things got done. And there's a communication happen to minimize duplication. I say minimize I didn't say that duplication will be gone 100%. No, you can't because we are all humans. And also with the rise of digital, we are going to step on each other's uh, feet from time mm-hmm. to time. Right. But I think the most important thing is actually have a very process-driven uh, communication mechanism in place. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's the one way of dealing with it. And uh, of course, um, having a strong leadership uh, the senior management to oversee that and also make a lot of effort to minimize duplications. It's also uh, a critical factors. I Everything love is- that. Yeah. That, yeah. That's some great ways to think about it. I'm kind of going to recap those three things you said, because I think that as we're looking for, hey, how can we improve or what's really going wrong here? Maybe, you know, our listeners could just ask themselves these those three questions. Like, number one, in what way are we siloed? Yeah. Um, and how can we overcome that? Number two, in what way are we overlapping or duplicating work? And number three, mm-hmm. in what way are our budget constraints you know, hurting us, you know, where do we need it? And so, yeah, how do we get these communications going specifically around these issues? Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I think that's super helpful. It's work. It's work. I mean, nowadays it's COVID job security, Priscilla, Mm -hmm. but it's, you really need to make an effort. Let's take a break and hear about this episode's sponsor. 
If you're looking to be inspired, challenged, and connected, I have the perfect event for you. Hosted in Austin, Texas, IIEX North America is the place you need to be from April 23rd to 25th. Presented by Greenbook, IIEX North America is the leading conference in the market research and insights industry. These three days of action are filled with over a thousand attendees, over 250 speakers, and over 200 sessions for a combination kick in the pants, turbocharged networking and intensive education. And I'll be speaking at IIEX North America. IIEX is packed with fresh ideas. From the new speaker track to meet the startups and insight innovation competition, this is the place to see the latest technologies and disruptive methods emerging in the world of insights. Attendees will be in great company with thought leaders from Procter & Gamble, Lowe's, Merck, and Coca-Cola. So register now for IIEX North America and save 20% with the promo code LITTLEBIRD at IIEX-NA.InsightInnovation.org or simply click the link in our show notes. Be there to find out what's new and next in the realm of consumer insights. Well, let's talk a little bit about your books because Global Content Marketing was your first book. It was great. We had such a great conversation about it. And then you moved on and created this new book, Effective Sales Enablement. So (laughs) we're going to dive into a little bit behind the scenes. Why why torture yourself with another book? I know. I was not thinking. I love to abuse myself. Can you tell? It's just ridiculous. But what did you learn in the research and the creating of this book that maybe surprised you or just really left you like absolutely committed to, yes, this is exactly what, you know, uh, the message that I have. You know, now you ask, um, it took me a long time to determine what I want to write for my Mm -hmm. second book. Um, I don't want to write another content marketing book. You know, there are people out there, they, 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 they stay in their lane and mm-hmm. uh, they, they know a specific, like brain marketing or uh, branding, they know it well and they write four or five books completely related to that topic. And I respect that 100%. And unfortunately, I'm the type of person that when I write a topic about something, then I was like, you know what, my next book needs to be about a slightly different topic. I like to challenge myself a little mm-hmm. bit. And um, when I was thinking about my second book, initially, believe it or not, the book I really want to write is a technology's impact in marketing. When I did additional research about that topic, I discovered that technology changes so fast. By the time my book is published, it's already out. It's already outdated. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that type of topic is really a blog post or ebook, but cannot be like a a book. Oh, Does that's that good sense? insight. Yeah, that's great insight. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't write it and that you don't have expertise on it, but that it needs to find its right home. Exactly. And then I was thinking, what can I do or write in terms of a second book? And um, I tend to draw from my own experience when I uh, try to write something. The first book is Global Content Marketing is really my own experience, how I scale content across the region when I was working in uh, a global enterprise. And um, the second book, I also uh, uh, drew from my own experience of supporting direct and indirect sales force. However, uh, unfortunately, my my experience was very limited. So for this specific book, I interview a lot of people. I interview sales uh, operations manager, sales enablement manager, even marketing manager from multiple different companies. So I gathered their insights 
along with uh, my experience, and that somehow um, paved the way for the creation of this book. Oh, that was so cool. uh, And, you know, sales enablement uh, in general, if you ask anybody what sales enablement means, especially the salespeople, they're going to tell you onboarding and training. For the longest time, sales enablement is really about sales onboarding and sales training and the continuous development of the sales uh, skill sets. But I kind of broadened that definition a little bit. I was looking from a marketer's perspective what marketers can do to better enable or support the sales team. So that this book is slightly different and it's really not about uh, training and onboarding. Oh, I love it. I love it. So that's your your different take. And, you know, it is interesting to hear, you know, you interviewing other people. I got to tell you a little blast from the past, Pam. You were on my 39th podcast. Oh, my God. I know. And that was back in 2017. I don't know how that was. It does not seem like it was that that long ago. But, you know, in 2018, we hit well over a hundred um episodes and so we're you know we're closing in on the you know on the you 125th amazing. gap so you are amazing for so long i mean you so kept funny. up and you are amazing i mean i don't know how many you so a hundred podcasts i assume you you probably interview over a hundred people yeah you know almost all of them are, po- are interviews some of them are just internal you know conversations we have here but almost all of them are and the reason why i bring that up is that it has opened so many amazing doors for me i've heard things from amazing people sit down and you know have a, an amazing conversation about a topic. And so I can totally see how writing the book, you know, about, you know, effective sales enablement would have been so enjoyable hearing from really people who are in the middle of it, like they're, they're yeah. working on it and to interview. So I, just as much as I delight in that in my podcast and have been able to have such interesting conversations, I could see how that would have been totally enjoyable for your book. Yeah, it was, you know how it is when you are in the trenches doing all the work, it's mm-hmm. very hard, right? right. And you are like, oh my God, I have to interview another person. <laughs> or, I mean, granted, it's more or less like the, the initial starting point. But once you get into the groove, it's a lot of fun, like you and I are talking to each other. Right. But that, but the grind of doing it uh, 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 every single week, sometimes, I don't know about you, it get you know, it gets me. Right. Yeah. And it's like it's it, it can be work. And same thing about writing. I remember that five or seven months and when I was writing, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is going to be a hardest chapter to write. And then you conquer that chapter and then you hit the one, which is technology, uh, AI and the marketing. You were like, oh, my God, this is going to be the hardest chapter to write. <laughs> and then you like then you cry and then you I'm telling you, it's a self-abusing process. Oh, my gosh. But see, that's what my audience wants to hear because so many people do have a book in them. And, and, you know, I have a lot of great advice about that. But I think hearing advice from someone who's actually really gone through the process and put themselves through it is is the deal. That's what we need to hear. What's the reality? And it's not this like, oh, sit down and just have, you know, a cup of tea and and just it all flows. (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't. And I, mm. you know, every single book I wrote, I, not every single, but I wrote only two books. But, <laughs> but like the first every book, single, right? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the first book I edited 17 times. Wow. And this book I edited probably 11 times. Mm-hmm. So, and the, it's to the point, I remember when I uh, did the last edit, I couldn't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. Every single word is like, blah, 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 blah. You know, I I just couldn't see it anymore. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah right. I, I totally get that. But what what's coming up that you're going to get to pitch your new book? Like you have uh, some fun things on the calendar. Where are you speaking next? Where can people catch you? 
Oh, very good. And um, yeah, I will be speaking uh, in February, which is coming up, uh, B2B Marketing Exchange uh, in Scottsdale. And I'm a uh, B2B marketer through and through. So um, I usually, um, I, this is my third time going to a B2B Marketing Exchange. And um, I will be speaking to a, a content marketing world and also a couple other regional events. So, awesome. uh, but if anybody who are interested to reaching out, you can reach out to me, Pam Dittner, D-I-D-N-E-R, any social media channel, go to my website directly, pamdittner.com. Did you know that over here at Little Bird Mar- Marketing, we call you P. Diddy? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so just so you know. my name. I know. Just so you know, you've got a funky, fresh name over here, Pam. Okay. So I want to ask you, you interviewed all these people. And this could be either from what you heard other people um, talking about or maybe even from your own experience. But I would love to hear a little bit of like, what's a great piece of advice you got? Um, and what's a horrible piece of advice you got? And this could be about like horrible? advice. Yeah. The advice that people gave about sales and marketing or advice about writing your book or, you know, advice about promoting your book, whatever, anything like that, like something stick out going, hey, that really helped me along the way. Or, oh, my gosh, I am never going to do that. <laughs> I think the biggest advice I have ever gotten um, about uh, writing, even email writing, is actually a write with one person in mind. Mm. And I like that a lot. In fact, another great advice is not from, it, it's not by someone, but it's actually from uh, from you. Uh-oh. And uh, you didn't talk to me directly, but um, you set up a very nice process and, uh, and communicating with um with uh, the speaker, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so speaker can actually get um, schedule the time themselves. And uh, Ashley, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Ashley right, yeah. is the coordinator and uh, will make sure that uh, um, provide the detailed uh, instruction in terms of what needs to be done. And one of the email I, dis- I remember distinctively, you have a very clear uh, direction in terms of what speakers needs to do. And then you have a solid call to action. And you will say, hey, you know what, if um, just another thing I want to remind you, we are looking forward to talking to you. I mean, I'm talking the gist of it. And uh, but uh, f- um, if you can go to the iTunes to like uh, the podcast and uh, also if you want to uh, share in terms of uh, our podcast and this is something that you can write, you have very specific actions, uh, specific actions in that email in terms of what speakers should do to get ready for the podcast. Yeah. And also what are some of the follow up that they can do. Well, I, that's and, uh, great I feedback, love that. Pam. That's that nice. absolutely love that. The thing is, the greatest feedback is, from my perspective is write with one person in mind. And second thing is, when you create content, especially the marketing communication material, and with strong call to action, what do you write this content for? What do you want your audience to do next? Right, right. Well, in this case with podcasts, I mean, it's my show. I get to have anybody I want on it and I get to do my thing. But if I'm going to give somebody free press and like put them out there and do all kinds of, you know, free PR for them, that's great. First of all, I want it to be somebody that my audience wants to hear from. Secondly, I want to know that they're going to be excited about it too and that they're going to share it. Right. (laughs) Exactly. You know, you did a very good job. I love that email. In fact, I'm going to steal with pride and incorporate that into my workshop and actually share with people. I say, check this one out. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay, so are you personally a podcast person? Do you listen to podcasts a lot? I listen, but I wouldn't say I'm a podcast person. I listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. and uh, um, 
I wouldn't say all the time, but mm -hmm. uh, I listen to yours from time to time. I listen to uh, Marketing Books podcast yeah, by uh, Douglas. Uh, and I I listen to two or three. But the thing is, <laughs> things about me, is I tend to listen to music. Oh, right. I, oh I binge watch. I'm sorry, that sounds very bad. I binge watch <laughs> shows. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Well, are you stuck on a particular app? Is there a favorite app that you have? Um... Let's see. I hate saying, is it a favorite app? I use Gmail a lot and mm -hmm. also texting. Mm -hmm. um, but um, what I really uh, like is an app called TechMean mm -hmm. or TM Reader. Yeah, it's called TM Reader. Mm -hmm. And they, also, they have all sorts of technology news uh -huh. uh, in my app. And I usually go there and uh, try to read uh, a bunch of technologies, what's going on. And then also, um, you know, different companies like Amazon, Facebooks, and uh, mm -hmm. Facebook, um, Apple, what kind of new um, product features they are pushing out. So right. I use this. This is called uh, TM Reader, and I like that app a lot. Oh, that's cool. It keeps you up to date in a yeah, really concise exactly. way. Okay, well, besides Effective Sales Enablement, you know, book of the year, what, what <laughs> other book have you read recently that you thought, man, that was really great, that was worth it? Or what's your favorite book? Uh, my favorite, so there's a one book I'm reading and I finished it and I thought it was very good. It's by James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, little tiny changes that you make, yeah. um, that to will somehow modify your life a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, this book talk, uh, very specifically in terms of what you need to do. Right. And the writing was very good, much better than mine by a long shot. <laughs> so that one was actually very good. And I hate saying this. I read a book. This is last year. Uh, Ready Player One. It was oh, a movie. Oh, wasn't that good? So I'm telling you the book, so much better. The book was so amazing. So amazing. Oh. Did you read it? Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh, I read it I twice. I read I'm it sorry, twice. Did I sound very loud? <laughs> no, this was it was so perfect. And I have to say that I think that you know, I my kids uh, were reading it, but so many things were lost on them because there were such generational references yeah, that I kind I of felt bad. But they did, you know, my my uh, my son got through it and he thought it was really fun. My daughter started it and was like, eh, I don't really get what they're saying. I'm like, but you love the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just tried to tell them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the 80s. But I love this book. Yeah, I love it so much. I usually uh, don't read a lot of fictional books. The majority mm -hmm. of the time, I read uh, business books. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I read this book. I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. And, yeah, there, it and he, by the way, he's writing a sequel. Oh, my gosh. So good. Yeah. The movie was great, but you're right. If you didn't read the book, you just didn't get it. So if you have not read Global Content Marketing or Effective Sales Enablement, you must do. Let's put this on your book list. So, Pam, how can they find your book and how can they find you? Um, they can find me on pamdinner.com or any social media channel. And on top of it, you can always find the books on, um, you know, 1-800-CEO-READ, Barnes & Noble, of course, Amazon. And this is something I want to share with your, reader, uh, with your listeners. So let's say if you purchase the book and you read it, mm -hmm. by the way, the, the core chapters that you should read is chapter four to six, really. And if you, if you read it and you you find nothing, literally nothing beneficial. Reach out to me and tell me your challenges. I'll see what I can do. 
Oh, that's awesome. I love yep. it. I love it. Well, you can draw from so much experience from it. Pam, this has been so fun from episode 39 back in 2017 all the way to 2019. And, you know, I, I think I think I'll go find the actual number, but we're, we're around 125. It's going to be such a fun, you know, uh, um, uh, revisit of, of our friendship. And, and I just appreciate your expertise and just being always, you know, available for a tough question that I have. And I know for my listeners, if you reach out to Pam, she will put you in touch with the right person if she can't answer something. She's just so accessible. And I think that's what's, you know, with as much expertise as you have, that is really saying a lot. And I I really appreciate that. In fact, I had a listener write back to me after our first podcast and say that they connected with you and uh, and you really helped them with with an issue. I I thought that was super great. And so thank you. I appreciate that. It's one way that you can love my audience. So check out her books and Pam, Thank you so much for coming back on. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Priscilla. Sure. It's and wonderful. From all of us at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.